Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Well, happy new year, friends. We made it to 2023. I hope you're excited about that. I know the new year gives some different feelings for different people. Some people thrive on the excitement, some people not so much. For me, I like the new year. I like the feeling of taking an old calendar, throwing it away, reaching for a new planner that's blank and putting dates in it. It just reminds me that a fresh start's possible. How's your time of year right, right now? Are you tired? Are you feeling good? For me, November and December are the most intense seasons of the year. Like uh, there's so much to do. There's so many holiday gatherings. We buy gifts. There's expectations for family gatherings. There's, I wonder if people are gonna like what they got. Then there's also just some church stuff that happens that just is a big deal. Like Christmas Eve, big deal, right? Planning for ways to serve the community, big deal. We create our budget for the following year. There's management team meetings with recapping where we've been and what we hope to achieve. And so I put a lot of energy into that season. And then all of a sudden, here it is. That's the week between Christmas and New Year's. And I had so many big plans to accomplish, so many big things to do. Like I was going to travel and see friends and family. I was going to organize my desk and all these other things in the house. I was going to complete those projects that kind of lingered throughout the year. And I was going to invest in the family. Like we were going to have game nights by playing Monopoly for, you know, three hours. We were also going to watch movies together. But it's now Saturday and many of those things weren't accomplished. And why is that? Well, because I was really exhausted from November and December. And then, truth be told, it's the same thing every year. I know that November and December is a busy time, but I still have these big plans for that week between Christmas and New Year's thinking this year is going to be different. But it isn't. I'm tired And maybe you find yourself tired too, but we can yet be tired and excited because there is a reality. When we run hard, we need to rest and have maintenance. I was thinking about this through the lens of a vehicle. Remember like back in COVID days when we were pretty much quarantined and you got gas like three times in 2020? Obviously that's an exaggeration, but we didn't get gas very often. Where in the last week, I filled up like three times between our vehicles because of all the traveling we had done. Also, the more mileage we do, the more maintenance like tire rotations and oil changes, we get it. We know that we have to take care of our vehicles when we run them harder. But the question is, do we take care of ourselves when we run harder? It's a pretty good question, right? It's a good time to settle in and ask some things. So today's gonna to be a day of reflection. If you did not see it in the chat, there's a link that's gonna show you this form here. This is a form where we're gonna do two objectives today. One is we're gonna check our gauges. We're going to look at our gauges for ourselves and say, how are we doing in all these different categories? And then we're also going to talk about how a word for the year could help us. And so if you haven't downloaded that, feel free to do it or just get a notepad, take some notes and then look at that sheet a little later. Either way, I think it's going to be good and valuable information. Now, we have, when we have these gauges in our vehicles, they don't force us to slow down, do they? These are signals that give us information that we can choose to ignore or we can heed their advice. But similar, like if you're driving down the highway and you notice that you're at a quarter tank of gas, that's a good time to probably consider getting some fuel, isn't it? Let's say you were driving down the highway, you're like, okay, here's an exit. I see I'm at a quarter tank, I'm gonna pull off at the next exit. Well, if you choose to do that, and then you say you pull up to the exit, 
but it says closed. And it says next exit 20 miles, there's a detour. If you've got a quarter tank of gas, you don't care. You're just like, all right, we're gonna go to the next exit. But if you've waited until that low fuel light comes on, that blinking thing that just then points like 18 miles to empty, and then if your gas tank's low, but your bladder's full, and you got a carload of people that are banking on that exit, and you're like, oh no, what are we gonna do now? Well, I'll tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna pray that you can go that extra couple miles on zero miles left, right? Well, much the same way, if we choose to not take heed or inventory our gauges of our lives, of our souls, of our spirits, well then we too are gonna run pretty low. We're gonna be low on our margins, which means we're not gonna perform well. And if we choose to ignore and keep trying to push harder, well, things can ultimately get worse. We can break down. And so we have an opportunity today to slow down, to assess where we're at and take advantage of this because just like our car, if we choose to ignore these warning signs or our gauges, well, we can find ourselves broke down or in an accident, right? So that's what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to look at two things. And my first question is, how does it feel when life is full? How do you feel when your life feels like you're in control? Like, let's think about when you feel rested. How good do you feel? When you feel like you have financial margin, how good does that feel? When you're not burdened for time and you have time for relationships, how does that feel? Well, John 10.10 10 gives us a good feeling of what a full life feels like, and that's the purpose that Jesus came from. John 10.10 10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You see, a rich and satisfying life, we know what that feels like if we just slow down enough to think about it. Like I said earlier, like when we feel rested, it's like, oh man, this is really good. I feel like I have some energy. When we're eating well, we have energy. When our relationships are in order, we don't feel like we're alone and we feel like we have people that we can lean on and talk to. And when we feel like, hey, you know what? I feel good financially. We don't freak out when something bad happens. But when we're low, it's a different story. When we're full, if we have a, an accident, something breaks, we kind of have this mindset like, oh, I'll take care of it. I can replace it. It's just a thing. But when we're low, we can say, man, what happened? Why does this happen? I'm never getting something nice again. How about relationally when you're full? Someone's mean to you or says something or they cut you off while they're driving. You could be like, oh, that's just how people are. I'll let it go. But when you're low, when you don't have much margin, well, then you're like, well, bring it. Let's go. And then how about like relationships too, right? It's like when we expect more, when we have lower gauges, we can end up finding ourselves short with our people that we care about the most. We can be snippy. We know what it's like to be full and we know what it's like to be empty. Well, for many of us, this is a time when we are pretty low and that's okay, we just have to think about it. It makes me think about Jesus' statement when he said, what do we do when we feel like we're burdened, when we need rest, when we're weary? Well, Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This text is a recipe for us to rest, recalibrate, and recharge. In the context of Matthew 11, Jesus was talking about people who were trying to earn their relationship with God. They were thinking like, oh, what do we have to do to do it? And the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they gave them a long list of things that they had to do. And the more they focused on the things that they had to do, the more burdened they felt, the more tired they felt, the more exhausted they felt trying to please God. But Jesus said, hey, 
My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you remember, Jesus summarized all the commands with two things, loving God and loving others. And it gives us this really easy operating system like, hey, is what I'm doing loving towards other people? Is what I'm doing honoring God? And so when Jesus makes it lighter, it's not that he shows us that life is going to be miraculously simple or easy. But what he says is we're invited to take on his yoke and that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Because when we get yoked with Jesus, it's this image of this yoke where we're uh, pulling alongside of Jesus. He's just carrying the burden with us. He's keeping us focused, keeping us moving ahead. And so what we're going to do again is we're going to look at how we're doing, how are we incorporating our lives with Jesus. One of the verses that I like to think about about my life is Colossians 3.17. And these are the words. It says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know, this verse is packed with meaning, and specifically, we see this connection between Jesus' declaration that he came to give a rich and satisfying life. Living our lives as if Jesus were in our place, that's a compass that points the way to our life being full. It also promises a rich and satisfying life. Notice the words here, it says, whatever you do or say, that means there's no exceptions. There's not these categories where, well, these things I do, they don't matter to God, or these things I say, they don't matter if I'm tired. No, everything we do or say is a reflection of Jesus and should be done as if he were living in our place. That's a good compass for living life well. And so the ultimate why, whenever we're trying to have a rich and satisfying life, is to have this desire to live with Jesus, to give him thanks, to yoke our lives with him. And this is a great time for us to think about that. It makes me think of Psalms 139. This is a prayer that David said, and think about its connection to Colossians 3.17. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me, and you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I love that connection because it's clear that whatever we do or whatever we say should also be pursued with a heart for God. And so Paul also says this is the final part of that verse, that chapter rather. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So the first thing we want to do is we want to look inside ourselves and invite God into that process to examine our hearts, to see how we're really doing. And we don't need to be nervous about it because God already knows all this. We're inviting him into this process of reflection. So when we're looking through our heart, I'd like you to go ahead and we're going to look through these gauges that I mentioned earlier. So let's spend some time doing that. What I listed here is eight dimensions, and you can find some people say seven, some people say 12. It's just a helpful tool to think about different categories of our life. And as we go through it, I'd like you to assess it. Are you empty? Are you full? And where are you in between? And after we do these eight things that we summarize ourselves, we think through these aspects of our life, we'll then talk about how it can impact our word. Okay. Well, the first word is intellectually. This category is not about how smart you are, but it's are you exercising your brain? Are you being creative? Are you finding yourself inspired? Are you impassioned? You know, when I think about what it is to learn, I think like, man, am I taking on new things? 
Am I thinking through like how I can love others more? How I can love God more? Am I learning things about God? You know, as our two churches are coming together, we get to learn how to get along with people to have different views, different thoughts on things. Am I looking about how I can look at racial reconciliation differently, politics differently, all these things that can cause tension? Am I intellectually stimulated? You know, God made each of us with different brains, and so we might find ourselves stimulated by other things. You may find yourself, I just want to explore art to learn new things about how people see the world. I want to be in nature more, to be inspired by how God created things. Big question is, is, are you empty in this category or are you full? When we're empty and it comes to our intellectual pursuits, we're just lackadaisical. We don't have much passion or drive. But when we're learning, we get excited about how to do things differently. Makes me think of my friend Eric Magnus. He might be on the chat today. If you are, you can say hi, Eric. But I was taking a walk with him one day and he says, do you know what I'm so excited about heaven about? And I'm like, what? And he says, I lose the restriction of time and the variance of my pursuits. You see, in heaven, we'll never run out of things to explore. I can learn new languages. I can learn how to play new instruments. I can learn new things about God, and I'll never get tired of learning, and I'm so excited to be there. That gives us passion and a perspective of what a full tank looks like when we're intellectually stimulated. Next, I want you to think about environment. This is about the space and the dominion you steward. Scripture teaches us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's Psalms 24.1. And again, you can see this is the command to love God and to love others in that. And so when we think about our environments, it helps us think about how's our possessions? Are we possessing our possessions or are our possessions possessing us? We can also think about it in terms of the environments we find ourselves in. When we go into a space or a community of people, do we make that environment better? For me, this is a big thing that I'll be focusing on this year. My word, I'll go ahead and tell you what it is because it's really connected to this topic, is simplify. What I've found is I've allowed stuff to creep into my life and now I have excess. And I haven't dealt with it over years. It actually takes effort to get rid of things, doesn't it? Right now I have bookshelves that are overfilled. I have a desk that's overfilled. I have a calendar that's often overfilled. I have too many things in my life and I need to simplify things and let them scale down. It's not that I feel like I'm owned by any of them, but they're distracting me and keeping me from focused on the simple, most meaningful things. So that's what I'm going to be taking on this year. How's your environment? I also should say my email inbox is overflowed. Maybe you connect with something about environment yourself, right? The next category is financial. This is about stewarding the money entrusted to you. And the short terms are your need met. And as your long terms, are you saving for the future? Do you give generously when there's a need that comes by? Do you have financial margin? If you're empty, you know what it feels like when something breaks and you're like, I don't, can't afford to replace it. And if you're full, you feel like, oh, I can be generous and kind. Are you empty or full financially? Next is emotionally. Emotional health is being in touch with our feelings, behaviors, and attitudes towards others and ourselves. It's connected to our passion, our optimism, our self-esteem, our self-acceptance, and how we deal with others. I don't know if you've ever seen this image about male emotions versus female emotions. I'll put it up here now. Yeah, it shows a over simplistic male not in touch with the emotions and it shows a female who supposedly has all these emotions. I don't like gender stereotypes and I don't think that's entirely true because men get angry too, right? There's a few more extra ones we have on there. But what both of these represent is what it looks like to be empty. If we're empty emotionally, then we actually aren't feeling anything. Our emotions are a gift from God and they give us indications on how life is going. 
But we can also be so influenced by our emotions that we fly off the handle or we don't keep our emotions in check and kind of control our behavior. That's a sign of being empty too. Being full emotionally looks like in touch with our feelings, letting them inform our decisions and our conversations. And we also can bring energy into these relationships. So are you empty or full emotionally? Next is our physical health. Paul said that our physical bodies are a temple. And so how is your temple? You know, so many people make New Year's resolutions focused on this one, right? I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise. Because we tend to give a lot of emphasis to this. And it does affect several other areas of our life. But here's the problem. So many of New Year's resolutions don't get finished. I think it's 8% of New Year's resolutions actually make their way through the entire year. I think the problem is maybe even the physical realm, we don't look at the big picture. We think, oh, I just want to lose weight because I want to look better or I want to feel better. But really, if we look at this as everything's connected, that's a bigger cause to do this, right? We can find maybe some more success if we look at how we're doing physically. This is exercise, nutrition, abstaining from harmful habits. All that is part of this gauge. So how are you doing? Are you empty or are you full? Next is occupational. This isn't just in the workforce sphere. This is using your gifts, your skills, and talents in order to engage in purpose and contribute to the world. Remember, work was created by God, not as a penalty, but work was created so that we can have passion and purpose and contribute to the world. Yes, sin darkened it, but do you feel and find fulfillment in your work? You know, some of us, we find ourselves in a space where we're working because we have to have income and pay the bills. If we find ourselves in that space, that's just how life is, that's understandable. We should then find a way that we can serve others, volunteering, giving somewhere, because that will actually give us a sense of purpose. We feel good when occupationally or voluntarily, we feel like we're contributing and making the world a better place. So how are you doing occupational? Maybe it is time to look at a different avenue of work or volunteering. Remember, we're not stuck in any of these areas. Next is socially. Social wellness includes forming positive relationships with others, connecting with a community, and making positive contributions to society. You know, when it talks about communicating with others, this is, do people know how we feel? Are we communicating well? Are we talking and listening? How about, are we having progressive depth in our relationships? Some people, when it comes to socialization, they just stay very surface level. They don't want anybody to know how they're doing. To get depth and to feel full socially, we should be able to see progressive depth in our relationships where they start here normally, but then we get deeper and explain how we feel about something. Talk about our fears, our failures. We feel like someone understands us and we understand them. Because ultimately what happens is we're building a community where we can have our needs met and we can meet other people's needs. So again, how are you? Do you feel empty socially or do you feel full? Loving others and being patient with them means that we're pretty full, right? Next is spiritually. I oriented this one last because again, I think this is foundational to all the other dimensions. To properly understand every other area is an understanding that God has a purpose in all those other areas. If we see ourselves as spiritually full, that means we understand that all of these other areas matter to God. He cares about our relationships. He cares about if we're engaging in purpose. And so being full spiritually means we've invited God into all of these other areas. If we're empty, that means we're looking at our lives as like, okay, this is the slither point of my relationship with God. This is just my prayer time. But when we have a full tank spiritually, we understand that it all matters to God and we're involving in all of them. So I'd like you to take a moment and just look over those eight things we just assessed and how do you feel? Remember, if you feel heavy 
or burdened or like, man, I'm not doing so well. That just means go to Jesus and let him yoke up with you. If you're feeling like, I don't know that I can do this on my own, that's actually a good place to be because that reminds us that we can't accomplish this on our own, that we need God's intervention in our lives, that he's the source of our strength and passion. And rather than doing life for God, trying to please him, we actually do life with God and we invite him into all these other areas and we experience a rich and full life. I read this, which I thought was pretty fun. It says, before you create a to-do list for 2023, spend time recognizing God's to-done list. It's a pretty fun play on words. Like you may look at those gauges and think, man, I've got so many work to do. I'm going to start making my list. I'm not listening to anything else in the message. This has brought up some stuff and I'm just ready to start writing a list of to-dos. But again, let me say that again, Spending, spend time recognizing God's to-done list. This is an encouraging word from a minister this week. He says, what has God done? Well, this is what God's done. He created you. He saved you. He healed you. He adopted you. He comforted you. He called you. He gifted you. He goes before you. He is with you. And he ends it this way. God's to-done list means we can lay down our to-do list. Now, what he means by that, of course, is not that we don't take pursuits to achieve things and do things in life, but we start with the center of God's enough for us. We do things with Jesus rather than for him. Now, I'd like to talk to you about choosing a word to guide you throughout 2023. Why a single word? Not create a list of resolutions. Well, because a single word becomes a theme that we're able to focus on that can carry us through the year. Choosing too many words or too many goals adds to this high level of complexity that then leads to procrastination, oftentimes paralysis. One word can actually be powerful and pregnant and have all kinds of meaning and depth, and that can actually be part of all these other areas. I've been choosing a word for years now, and I've found it very helpful. And I can remember Mike Ashcroft, he said this about New Year's resolutions versus a word, and I'd like to read it to you now. He says, our New Year's resolutions seldom work because they're based on the type of person we're tired of being rather than who God wants us to become. Plus, resolutions can be broken, leaving no room for the process of growth. What if our hopes for the year ahead centered instead on who God wants us to become and the transformation process? I think this is such a great quote because it does a couple things. One, it confirms the fact that New Year's resolutions seldom work. The other word I really like is process and the transformation process. When we choose a word and let God go into this, it can find different ways that we can navigate these different seasons. I can remember one year my word was enough. Because what I kept on is I kept feeling like I was trying too hard in several areas. And so I just recognized like basically that verse I read earlier that Jesus is enough. I have enough because God's blessed me with enough. My effort's enough because God will use that effort and that weakness for his strength. And so again, choosing a word can help us navigate all of these different things. Well, as we process our word, we're going to look in, look up, and look out. And as we look in, we did some of this earlier. We looked at some of those categories that we think are helpful. And in lieu of that, we're going to ask three questions as we look in. First is, what do I need? And this isn't necessarily about what we want, but rather what we truly need. What areas of life need the most change and why? Reflect back over the past year. Look at those gauges. Where do you find a major gap? And what theme can you come up with? The question can bring up some obvious things that can also unearth some hidden needs. And a good question to ask repeatedly is why? If you're like, man, I'm physically struggling. Why? 
well, not eating well. Why? Well, it seems like we eat out three times a week. Well, why do you eat out three times a week? Well, because I have a hurried schedule and I feel like we don't have time and I'm, it feels too stressful to cook a meal. Why? Well, because I'm not actually banking time properly. Why aren't you banking time properly? Because I feel pressure to perform. Why? You see how this works. With every question, ask a why and keep going down until you can narrow it down to maybe a physical thing is actually a time management thing. And so as you think about what do I need, the next question is pretty normal. What's in my way? Here you're asking about the barriers that keep things, that keep you from having the things that you need. What are the barriers? Is it like, oh, I want a new job, but I need an education to have that. Or, hey, I, I really want to get into this school and get my kids in this school, but that will require a move. What are the barriers that might need to happen? And the other thing is what needs to go. This is like, what's holding you hostage from making a move? Maybe it's just this thought of, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not skilled enough. I don't have this. And maybe you've believed that because someone told you that. And you just need to let go of that. Find out who you are in Christ and let that stuff go. Step into who God wants you to be. What needs to go could also just be things like, oh, the way I view myself, the words that I share, past mistakes, bitterness, unforgiveness towards someone else. What needs to go? Well, it's the things that the thief does, right? The things that kill and destroy. You identify those things that stop you from achieving a full life and you remove them. These questions are important because they help us get to the word that we need to have. Next, what we do is we look up and we want to discover a word. This is pausing and sharing with God what we've discovered and we ask God to create a theme that we can live out. I simply say this prayer to Jesus. God, in lieu of what I've looked at, what would you have me focus on? What is it that would help me do what you want to do in me and through me? I'll say that again. You kind of assess your whole life. and like, God, what is it that you want to do in me and through me in this season? And that fills you with some passion. That fills you with some excitement that you take on. I can remember uh, reading the one word book. It says the one word process is a journey to discover a God word and not just a good word. Sometimes these words don't come to us right away. And so we just kind of sit and we pray and we ask God, God, what's the word that you'd have me live out versus just something that I want to do arbitrarily, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to work out or I'm going to do this. But God, what are you leading me to do? Again, what do you want to do in me and through me? And so when we ask that question, our words can come to us. And our words may not, again, come right away. And words can come in a variety of ways. I wrote down, now that you're thinking about a theme, it may emerge and come to you after reading an inspirational book, a devotion, as you're looking in the Bible. It could come from a song that you hear, a whisper on your heart, a dream that you have, or just a random time throughout the day. Invite God in to discover your word. I had a friend who said, I literally was thinking about this and was praying about it after Christmas, and the word joy kept showing. Of course, joy is part of Christmas, but she kept seeing it in all these odd places. And songs, it just seemed to be on, or I, I could find myself singing a song, and all of a sudden joy was the main theme of it. Or I found it on an ornament, or I found it on a cup. And I realized, like, joy is something I'm lacking. And for her, that was the year COVID started, and Jeanette helped guide her through that. Ask the people who've done this before, and you'll find out God had revealed that word and preferred them, and prepared them, excuse me, for a theme for the year. Here's a list of some words that the book offers. Love, joy, patience, kindness, rest, prayer, health, train, flexible, devotion, 
intimacy, discipline, smile, commitment, overcomer, bold, positive, green, inspire, finish, purity, integrity, and strong. These words can be anything. And you just want to take your time inviting God in that process and see what emerges. And when you have your word, write it on the sheet, whether it's today or a week from now. Write your word down, and then what you're going to do is you're going to look out, and you're going to find out how to live out your word. Once you discover the word that you feel God is leading you towards, you want to get that word front and in front of you so that you don't forget it. You want to actually intertwine that into other parts. And here's a couple ideas that you can have. What we've done before is we've painted canvases that had our word, and we had it at the top of the steps. Just as a reminder, as we went up the steps, this is the focus for the year. For me, this year, I'm doing... Simplify, which I mentioned to you. And so I'm going to be decluttering a bunch of things. I'm going to be simplifying my email box. That's going to be on a screensaver on my laptop and on my phone. I'm going to see that word repeatedly to remind me. Am I making things too complicated? Simplify it. Erase things. Get through your email. That'll be motivational for me. You could do all kinds of things. You could create a, a theme list on a Spotify or a music list that has your theme word in there just to keep it on repeat in your mind. The other thing you should do is, and tell, and, excuse me, you want to share it with somebody else. When you share your word with someone else, you have a team that can hold you accountable and can encourage one another. If you find someone else doing this practice, invite them into this rhythm. For me, I invited five friends to do it. was called the Minimalist Challenge, where we're going to get rid of things for an entire month. Day one is one item. Day two is two items. Day three is three items. To me, it's fun to have a community involved with getting rid of things. And so uh, that's how I'm applying it. What can you do to keep your word in front of you? Talk to someone who's had a word. You'll find out that it's just a great exercise to keep it in front of you. And again, I want to take you back to the purpose of this exercise. The why isn't to create a replacement for your New Year's resolution. The why is so we can experience life in the fullest. You know, choosing a word, when you start off your word, I'll start off a simplify. It might be about cleaning my desk and email. But I may find it's about my schedule in June because I've allowed things to creep in. Like right now, my focus is only eliminating stuff. But the word simplify can carry out in so many other areas. How about your word? What could you see? I wrote a, a few words down that friends have shared before to give you a few other things. This is some quotes. This is a friends who shared the impact of their word. One was momentum. They said, I learned a lot about how I live better on the times when momentum is harder. I enjoy the fast-paced momentum and found that most of my stumbles happen when things appeared smooth and I let my focus wander. Another friend said, gratitude. When you're thankful for what you have, you always have enough. Not always, not knowing that year was going to be a year of trials, keeping prayers of gratitude was and is a reminder of all my blessings and it helped me to focus on all the doors that were opened. Another person said, faith. I needed a reminder that worry and anxiety had no place where faith was present. Someone else said, acceptance. This was a good choice and I think about it a lot. It reminds me of my limited control, and whatever happens, I can let go and let God take over. So what will your word be for 2023? Will you choose to do a word? I hope you do, and I hope you'll share it with someone else. And again, this is inviting God in. This is taking his yoke and saying, God, help me to become more like you. The standard isn't at the end of the year, we're like, oh my goodness, look how great I did, what I accomplished. It's thinking about who we're becoming. Are we becoming more like Jesus, and are we loving others like him? Colossians 3.17 is a beautiful verse. 
and I hope you'll take it to heart as you're doing this exercise. Friends, it's great to be with you. I look forward to seeing you next week when we start our new series called Moving Forward Together. It'll be about being a community that's willing to do the hard stuff as we move together, and I look forward to seeing you then. Friends, let's pray together. Uh, Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for a fresh start, a new year where we can engage in things, and I hope this exercise is helpful. God, I hope people will take time to evaluate their gauges and invite you into that process to see what you're doing in their life and what you want to do in their life. So God, thank you for the gift of today. Give us wisdom to know what to do and the strength to live it out. We are desperate for you to be involved in our lives, God. When we're weary, when we're tired, we turn to you, not to ourselves, not to self-help, but we turn to the God who is our great help. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.